0: sports king nation want to take part in the show here's your chance to call the studio line 804-327-0888 that's 804-327-0888 and welcome back everybody and monday morning on the sports king show and man we're always excited when we have this guest one of the great broadcasters ever not only in hockey but in area history, the DMV, so blessed to have him behind the mic. He is Joe Beninati. Of course, also, he went to Bowdoin College, where he still holds the record for saves in a season 263 by our lacrosse goaltender. Joe, not just a great broadcaster, you do it all.
1: Jamie, I'm all about pronunciations. Bowdoin, please. Bowdoin. Everybody gets that one wrong. B-O-W-D-O-I-N. It sure looks like Bowdoin, but it's pronounced Bowdoin. And I, I was lucky enough to... Uh, Spent some time in Brunswick, Maine, in the in the mid '80s. And 1987 was a pretty good season for me in goal up there. Freezing cold, I might add, Jamie. So when that lacrosse ball hits you, it, it stay Those bruises stayed with you for about three or four months. But I, luckily, I added up a lot of bruises that year.
0: Bowdoin in college, and here's there the thing. I love it. Now I got it right. Now, 263 by a lacrosse goaltender. People don't realize this because the one thing about you, you're so busy, not just capitals. You've got a full slate. We talked last week about your lacrosse. I mean, not only a great player, but you also announced that. You have so many other sports you've done. I mean, your schedule has been pretty busy as of late.
1: Well, it's it's been busy from a homework standpoint, but um, from an actual broadcast standpoint, I guess the first game that we did for uh, for ESPN – with Major League Lacrosse's return to play. The first game that we did back on uh, uh, on Saturday, I guess it was. Yeah, it was Saturday. Um, that would have been the first time I had worked, Jamie, on air in probably f- close to five months. I don't know that I've ever, as an, as an adult professional announcer, gone five months without doing football, basketball, hockey, or lacrosse. I've been lucky enough to call eight different sports. Lacrosse is a love of mine. I grew up playing it. Uh, I was a hockey and a lacrosse goalie. I, I loved both of those things. I, I'm not of great size, but I had really good reflexes. So, and I, w- I wasn't afraid of a puck or a lacrosse ball. So as, as wacky as it sounds, I was a goalie in both of those sports. And I love them. And it's been great to get back to work. Yesterday we did a doubleheader on ESPN2. Uh, Major League Lacrosse is playing a season in nine days. So it starts on the 18th. It finishes up on the 26th on ESPN, and they'll crown a champion in their 20th anniversary season. I've done I think 15 years with them nationally and locally, so it's been a great deal of fun.
0: Well, it's been over 130 days, and I'm going to tell you what uh, Sports King's been depressed when you can't hear Joe <laughs> Beninati, Craig Lachlan behind the microphone watching you guys. One of the great combos ever in the area of history, as everybody knows, it watches you guys infectious and so exciting you bring so much to the game 130 days they talk about boxers with ring rust what about you the other day you get back there saturday behind the mic a little bit of rust did you feel right back into it how was it coming back
1: i actually felt pretty good and i was i've been pleased i've done three games now did a double dip yesterday in the and the first um game of a triple header a couple days back and Today we're off. Tomorrow, oh, actually, the league is playing a couple of games today, but uh, I'm off of the package today. I get back on for a doubleheader Tuesday, <laughs> doubleheader Thursday, doubleheader Saturday, championship game Sunday, and then I put my hockey hat on. But I, I felt pretty good with it, and I- I'm actually I'm grateful for the reps. Um, obviously, doing lacrosse at-, at that pace, that's a really quick game. That'll help me uh, next week for when the-, the Capitals get back on ice. It's a little different, though. Calling a game, Jamie, from a television monitor, Craig and I and our crew, Al Allen, Rob Carlin, our bunch from NBC Sports Washington, we won't be in Toronto, and the further they go, hopefully the Caps get all the way to Edmonton, we won't be in Edmonton, but um, calling a game from a TV monitor in Bethesda is a little bit different, especially for a play-by-play guy.
0: I was going to say, can you talk to the challenges? Because you can basically read the phone book and make it sound interesting. So you're going to have to call this game from a different location and make it as interesting and exciting as you can. Is there any delay factor, anything concerning you about this? It's never been done like this before, and now it's something that you're going to have to take and give us as much excitement as you can.
1: Oh, by the way, with no fans in the stands, right? So you know this is something that a lot of the different sports leagues that are returning to play, and fingers crossed, and I know we're going to talk about this, I'm sure, but fingers crossed everything goes well in the next seven days. Uh, The guys from the 24 teams remaining in the NHL, they get on their respective charter planes. They head to their hub cities in Toronto and Edmonton. Fingers crossed everything goes well. There are no health issues, no crises, and we can actually get this return off the ground. That being said, there's going to be nobody inside Rogers Place in Edmonton, nobody inside Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, So as a broadcaster, just like a player, there are times when we lean upon fans to help with energy. Uh, This time around, it's up to the broadcaster to deliver that excitement and do it in a measured way, Jamie. You're not going to call a game with your hair on fire the whole time, but those goals that are scored, as precious as they are and when they are, normally they're they're accompanied by, if you're on the home ice, a tremendous roar of 18,000 people. Well, every goal in this tournament that's coming up, there's nobody in the stands. So every goal is going to sound like an Alex Ovechkin goal in Pittsburgh. There's going to be crickets. You have to provide that energy. And all of us as NHL announcers, we know our way around the rink that way. So it'll be a little bit of an adjustment. That first hockey goal call will, you know, oh, is first of all, you are going to make sure that your sight lines are good and that you're seeing things well because you're dependent totally upon uh, in, in TV terms, camera one. What we're seeing on the screen in, in Bethesda is exactly what you and the viewers will be seeing uh, from your homes. We're just calling the game from those pictures. And, and sometimes there are challenges there to see plays develop, to identify players quickly. I, I like to think, knock on wood, that's one of my strengths. And and you can do it through a TV monitor, but it's a lot let's say this, a lot more comfortable to be identifying players and seeing plays develop when you're six stories above the ice.
0: Now, of course, you wear glasses, and so my question to you is <laughs> and our great uh, announcer, Joe Beninati of the Capitals Play by Play fame, is our special guest. When you're watching a game, typically you and Locker up there, do you have uh, the binoculars going? Do you go to the monitor all the time? How do you keep things in terms of how much of an adjustment is it going to be for you watching from Bethesda to try to make it as accurate as possible?
1: No, that's a great question, Jamie, and there's only one sport that I will occasionally use binoculars on. When I'm doing a major college football game in the Big Ten and you're surrounded by 100,000 people and you're eight miles away from the field, there are times when you may reach for binoculars at this age, at least at my age, at age 54. Um, most of the time, your naked eye, or in my instance, eyes, um, and ha- eyesight and vision enhanced by glasses, I'm looking at the field. And there are occasions sometimes in football, especially with an injured player who might be down on his back, um, far, far away from where we are in the broadcast booth, whether it be in Ann Arbor or Columbus or Rutgers or Maryland, wherever. Um, I may reach for binoculars there just to try and help identify and see an 87 or a 62 and, um, and go for it from there. But with hockey, Jamie, honestly, and in lacrosse, um, never. I've never used binoculars. The amount of time that I am on the ice with my eyes as opposed to looking in the monitors, I would say is probably 90 to 10 90% eyes on ice. 10% would be stoppages in play. I'm following the director's cut. Or the other parts of those 10% could be director cuts a low angle or director cuts in a camera behind the net. I want to be able to see that. And I actually do have two monitors in front of me and peripherally, I'm able to see that out of my, at a corner of my eye, and then I will adjust my commentary to say, you know, watch how things are developing in front of Braden Holtby, because you're seeing it from behind Braden, Or if somebody, if the director cuts a low camera right on a real great crunching hit right into the glass, I'll reference it from that point of view. But 90% of the time, I have my eyes trained on the ice, and it's just a matter of a lot of repetition, a lot of study, a lot of homework, I'm able to, to recognize the game pretty well from that high above the rink.
0: Now, you're looking at the NHL, of course, uh, 24 teams competing for the Stanley Cup. They'll begin with the best-of-five series round-robin games in two hub cities, as Joe mentioned, starting on August 1st. What about this Washington Capital team? What are you hearing? What have you seen in terms of preparation? Of course, uh, getting ready to make a run at this. I know we've got as great a chance as anyone. How do you think things are stacking up and looking for the Caps?
1: First of all, Jamie, anybody who tells you they can handicap this tournament after being off since March is lying to you. However, we did have a pretty good sample size of close to 70 games for all the teams. And, yes, in the East, I do believe Boston, Tampa, Washington, and Philly were the four best teams in the East. Uh, Likewise in the West, uh, I really thought St. Louis and Colorado, Vegas and Dallas did a great job. And uh, there's part of me that wants to almost pick Colorado to win the Cup in this format. But I, I can't. I can't necessarily cherry pick it for you. I can't handicap it for you, but the Caps deserve to be uh, in that qualifying round robin uh, with those other three teams in the East. So the Caps are not playing a best of five. They're starting just in a round robin between the top four seeds. So they'll each well, Washington will play Boston, Tampa, and Philly, and those four teams will play their little mini round robin qualifier for seeding purposes. The, the top team, let's say Philadelphia, wins all three of its games, they'll be seeded first in the East. They'll face the, the lowest remaining seed of the qualifiers who come out, and that's where we start talking the 5 through 12, with the 5 being Pittsburgh and the 12 being Montreal. Those teams, likewise East and West, there'll be, what, eight sets of qualifying round best of five, and that's really unusual. It's different for the NHL's, you know, short, quote-unquote, short series like that, can turn on a dime uh, I expect and what I've heard from from the Caps camp in their return since we've gone into what they call phase 3 where full coaching staffs can be on the ice full teams can be on the ice I, I'm hearing the guys are in great shape I'm hearing there's a lot of energy they're very very interested in this return to play they wanted it uh, they obviously voted for it along with the, the other members of the Players Association uh, I know the Caps obviously feel like they're in a window where they can add to the Stanley Cup championship of 2018. Their team is deep enough. It has talent everywhere. Now, there are a lot of teams that will say that. And if you go back five months to March, I didn't necessarily like the way the team was playing, Jamie, but it's almost like they could have used a break. (laughs) They've had more than enough breaks. Um, They're going to be rested. The question is how rusty will they be?
0: Enough with the break. We got it. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I, do want, I do want to ask you this. Will there be any subtle nuances, do you think, Joe? Uh, of course, we know in the past when hockey players have a disagreement, they all kind of congregate real close face-to-face and talk about each other's heritage or whatever, or relatives or whatever, and then we also know the fact that uh, guys like Tom Wilson like to drop the gloves. Do you think there'll be less of that with this coronavirus situation?
1: Well, I think they're going to be especially mindful of it, and uh, uh, of course, while they're in the secure zones in those hub cities, I think the players are going to do, I hope they will, do a great job of almost policing themselves uh, off the ice. You know, please, you know, use the the utmost of caution, uh, be sensible, do not break the quote-unquote bubble, and every team's going to have a, a compliance officer. I don't know if that's mandatory bed checks or curfews or what have you, but I think the guys off the ice know that they're going to be safe, and I think the, the league has done a tremendous job. There's been a great concerted effort between ownership, management, the commissioner's office, the, the players' association. Uh, I think, knock on wood, they've done it right. I just hope they can get there on the 26th uh, safely and, and in a healthy way. As far as a game on the ice, from what I understand, there's going to be no differences in terms of you know up-close-and-personal confrontations. I don't expect a lot of quote-unquote fighting, Jamie, because there really isn't that very much in the, in the postseason, not in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we've seen fighting numbers come down for the last decade in the regular season. Uh, it, it, does it happen? Of course. Might it happen in the playoffs? Yeah, sure. But I don't know what the doctors, I have not had a chance to speak to any physicians or, or athletic trainers directly about that, nor have I spoken with any of the league personnel um, you know, if they're going to frown upon, hey, let's let's not drop the gloves. Let's not have that hand-to-hand combat. Uh, but as far as body checking is concerned, I think the, the rules are the same. And everything applies. And in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the game is played at an amazing pace. It always is from October to April. <clears throat> Excuse me, but in April, May, and June in normal seasons come playoff time, the pace is dialed up to 10. Uh, I, I'm fully expecting it to be that and the the hits to be bone-crunching when we get back on the ice.
0: Joe, I know it's hard to pick teams. Of course, you went through some of the top teams in the East and the West. Of course, Colorado, Las Vegas, St. Louis, uh, anybody you like right now. I know, as you say, we can't handicap it. Everybody has a shot at this thing. It's going to be a race to the finish. But when you look at the West, uh, who do you like there right now on face value?
1: You know, so much of this is going to depend upon goaltending, and goalies depend so much upon rhythm. You know, normally, at this point in the season, I'll just use the home team for an example, normally Braden Hopey doesn't play every preseason game. He might get a couple. He gets a lot of work in camp, and he has worked a lot with Scott Murray in both Phase 2 and Phase 3 in leading up to this return to play. And From what I hear, Braden looks really sharp at MedStar Capital's Iceplex, but he hasn't played a game in so long. And you're going to need the goalies universally and among these 24 teams to be really sharp, really fast, right off the jump. So, so much of this is going to depend upon those guys in the crease. And, you know, if, if we touch upon Colorado, it's a former cap who's thinking that he's got the job in, in Philip Grubauer, but Pavel François has been excellent or was excellent when he was called upon when Philip was injured. I think there's so many teams, there's maybe a half a dozen teams who have a, a goalie question, who is my starter? In Washington, uh, Todd Reardon has come out and said it's Braden Holpe. Ilya Samsonov has not been on the ice lately, and and this is something that fans are going to have to uh, grit their teeth and bear because we are not going to get any, Jamie, zero, from what I understand, zero injury or illness updates. You're not going to find out if a player is ill, if he's tested positive, God forbid, or if it's an ankle injury. You're not going to get any of it. You're going to get an unfit to play or he's not available. It's going to be incredibly generic and There are a number of players um, who have been off the ice around the teams in the last few uh, days and weeks since camp opened up and since phase two mini camp had opened up who have not been on the ice. And some of it's just for certain quarantine measures. You know, guys coming back into the country, coming back to their host cities, had to spend a certain amount of days in quarantine. I hope that's what it is for for some of the Caps players involved. And then moving forward, once we actually get to Toronto – from what I understand, Jamie, um, Carl Hagelin and Lars Eller, uh, they're both expected fathers. And I think wow. they're both going to have to leave the premises for a while. And to do that, to come back into the bubble, they're going to need to have negative tests for four straight days. So I think in Eller's case, it would be during the qualifying round while they're playing for seeding against Boston and Philly and Tampa. And with regard to Hagelin, I, I again, I need to check, but... I think Carl was closer to having his baby than Lars, so I don't know that it'll even impact Carl Hagelin once the team uh, gets to Toronto. Hey, Joe,
0: we've got to run, but I'm going to tell you about it. has been 130 days without you, my friend. We've all missed you in the DMV. Best of luck to you, and thank you so much for jumping on. You're the very best at what you do.
1: Can't wait, Jamie. Thanks for, uh, for touching base with me.
0: The great Joe B. And that's going to wrap it up for the Sports King Show for this Monday. For Ben, I'm Jamie. Have a great rest of your day.